0: do so let us stop going over the basic teachings about christ again and again let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds placing our faith in god you don't need further instruction about baptisms the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment We've been going through these things because it hit me early on in this year that even the church here in America, we struggle with these basics. And these are just the most basic. These are the most elementary, principal things. And so for our church, we wanted to begin to build that foundation of the basics, the essentials again, to lay a strong foundation. Jesus as the cornerstone, and we're building out from there. Today we're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about eternal judgment. We're going to talk about the, it's the gospel. Just like what Josh was saying during communion, it's the gospel message. So we're going to talk about that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you have the room. Holy Spirit, we know it's you because you testify to Jesus. You testify to the work of the cross. That's the spirit of prophecy. God, we just submit and bow down to what you want to do, what you want to speak into our lives. Father God, I pray that you would light our church on fire to win souls. That the reality of the resurrection and eternal judgment, that it would take root in our heart and become a cornerstone of who we are. that we'd be able to take the thoughts captive from this world that say, no, 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 don't talk about that. That's judgmental or whatever it is. That we would put that to the side and that we would love people enough to tell them the truth of what God's word says. Holy Spirit, please teach us. You're a good teacher. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that what he said is true, that it was better for him to leave so the Holy Spirit could come. We believe that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to talk about the resurrection and eternal judgment. Some people like that. Some people are like, that sounds too heavy for me. All right, well, I don't know. You can go serve in kids' ministry, I guess. That's fine. 2 Corinthians five ten through 11. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We have a responsibility to the Lord. Once you've accepted the truth, once you've said, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, you now have a responsibility. We understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Can we really say that about ourselves? Do we actually understand our fearful responsibility that we have been tasked with? Do we understand the Great Commission and that that applies to all of us? Not just the pastors, not just the evangelists, not just the Billy Grahams or whoever. No, no, no. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, the Great Commission applies. Do we understand that? and do we work hard to persuade others and this isn't like beat you up like oh you haven't been doing this no 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 this is let's let's spur each other on today let's just spur and encourage each other on today because even in my life there's times where i'll, I'll kind of get into a little dry spell of like mm. I don't need to work that hard. I, you know, I, I pastor a church, the evangelism stuff, persuading others. I'll do that on Sunday. And, and I can kind of fall into these spells where I, I'm in these public spaces and places where I could be having conversations and I could be building relationships and I could be helping move people towards the gospel. But sometimes I just let fear of man just overtake me and I do nothing. And so I've felt really spurred on lately that I need to... Uh, yeah, that I need to take this more seriously, just in my own life. And so there's another guy from the church. We work out at the same gym together, and we've built a lot of good relationships with a lot of the people there. And my hope and my prayer is that God just keeps opening some of these doors for conversations. And recently, you know, he opened one with a guy that I met, and we were having a conversation. And and I really felt the Holy Spirit was prompting me just, um, I just, Just say something. Sometimes we're so afraid to say the wrong thing that we just do nothing. God can use your mistakes more than he can use your inactivity. Okay? Like if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you on something, if you if you feel him giving you a nudge, but you're like, no, I'll mess it up, I I won't do it right, I'll say the wrong thing, I'll you know, whatever I say, it's gonna probably turn them away from the gospel. We let that fear overtake us. That's the spirit of fear. That's not the Holy Spirit. And so in those moments, we have to be able to discern and then understand that God is able to use our mistakes more than he can use our inactivity, our refusal to do anything. It's better to try something than to do nothing. Be aggressive with the gospel. I'm not saying go out and just like, I mean, you know, don't be an idiot, all right? But also don't let fear overtake you from just having a simple conversation. So this guy, I just had met him at the gym that day, and and he was kind of sharing about some of the workouts he was doing. He was having knee problems, and and I really felt the Holy Spirit just prompting me and saying, man, just ask if He wants prayer for healing. Because we've been, if if you haven't been to Tuesday night prayer, uh, come join us sometime on a Tuesday night. Uh, But we've been in in a great season for our church. We're we're seeing God move in so many incredible ways. We're seeing healings happen. And so I was just feeling spurred on. And it wasn't too long before this uh, conversation with this guy, I had just preached on the soil. And sometimes, I I said this a while back, but I'll say it again. They throw out the, the seed onto the soil, and one out of every four, it lands on fertile soil. But the other three soil that you throw out there, it doesn't take. And so I just wanted to encourage our church with that, that, hey, guess what? Throw some seed out there. Throw the seed of God's word, and at least one out of four, it's going to take. So if three people tell you no, if three people tell you no, I don't, I want, I don't want anything to do with that, I, I don't care about that, well, hey, that's great, because the next person is going to say, yeah, I'm, I want to receive that. I want what you're talking about. I want what you're saying. And so here I was, very convicted by my own message, thinking, all right, the Holy Spirit wants me to say something. Uh, Okay, and and so I, I just go right in, and I just tell him, hey, you know, would, would you want prayer for healing? And he knew at that point in the conversation that I was a pastor at a church, and and he stopped me right there. He said, I appreciate what you do, but no. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, okay. I just tell you that because it wasn't as bad as we think it will be. It, it wasn't like this terrible, like, awful thing where it's like, pff- I'm never doing that again. It's like, no, no, no. It's okay. Don't let the fear overtake you. The fear of our responsibility should be greater than the fear of man. And I really believe that was what God wanted to show me today, that he wanted to remind or show me that day. He wanted to remind me, rejection is not as bad as you think it is. That's hard to believe sometimes sometimes. Because if you've had rejection in your life, which as humans, we've all experienced that. At some point or another, we've experienced rejection. And it hurts. It does. But it's worse to not walk in the responsibility that we've been given, that we've been tasked with. So I felt encouraged after that day because I I felt that wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. And now I know I just got to keep throwing out seed because one of them, it's going to take. And I also believe that there was a seed even planted that day. Sometimes seed gets planted and it doesn't take right away, right? Like it takes time. I believe I've started a relationship, a friendship there. And even though that guy that day didn't want to receive that, there's going to be a moment in the future that he's going to remember that conversation and something in the Holy, the Holy Spirit is going to prompt him and draw him back, Have faith even in the face of rejection. Romans 14, 10 through 12. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. The word Paul uses for judgment seat in both of these passages is bima in the Greek. It's taken from not the Olympic Games, but the Isthmian Games, very similar to the Olympic Games. And they were carried out in Greece. The victors would come before a platform that was called the bima. This was the place where the judge stood to place the laurel crowns on the heads of those who had competed well and according to the rules. It was not a place where losers were whipped or condemned. It was a place of evaluation and designation, not punishment. For us as believers, this is what Paul is saying. The judgment seat of Christ, because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, We are clothed in his righteousness. We get to come someday, and we get to stand at this platform. And there's an evaluation and a designation, but not a punishment for us. The punishment was already paid on the cross by Jesus. So if you're still living like in fear of like that punishment, like I, I just know it, I, the punishment's coming, God's gonna get me, God's coming for me. That's not who God is. If you are in Christ, Christ is in you, you are covered in his robes. You get to step in to this moment without fear. We're like competitors running a spiritual race and someday we're going to be brought before Jesus Christ at the platform. And he'll be standing and he will evaluate our various levels of obedience and he will designate what kind of reward we receive. That's what the platform is for for believers. It's for a reward to be handed out. 14, uh, Romans 14 verse 12, it says, to give an account. In the Greek that means to give a factual report. The Corinthians passage where it says this, everyone will receive what they have coming to them. Even though you are saved and in heaven, there are different levels of rewards for faith and obedience. One of our elders last week, Brandon Whiff, he talked about this honors reward. If we practice the biblical value of honor in our life, there's a reward on our life for that. There are different levels of rewards for faith and obedience. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. That's what we're competing for. Some of you, you're competitive. You you love sports. You love everything about it. You love competing. Begin to take that mindset and put it into eternity. Begin, Begin to take that mindset And put it into that fearful responsibility you've been given. If you're on a team, if you're competitive, if you've ever done that in your life, you know everybody on a team has a responsibility. And you would work hard to fulfill your responsibility, your job. Or if you're in the military, you know this. Everybody has a different responsibility. And you work hard, you work fearfully to be obedient and to fulfill that responsibility. How much more so should we work to fulfill the responsibility that we've been given by Jesus Christ? How much greater is that responsibility than anything we can chase after in this world? In sports, yeah, you can get a crown, you can get a trophy. It doesn't last, and you don't get to take it with you. In the military, yeah, you can get promoted and you can get, you know, higher ranks, all that stuff. Or in your job, you might work hard and you might fulfill your responsibility and you might get promoted. And all those things are great, but you don't get to take any of that with you. You don't get to take your title. You don't get to take the nameplate off your desk. You don't get to take your employee of the month picture. Whatever it is, those things fade. They don't last But there's a crown that we can compete for that lasts. That's what we're competing for. That's what we're living for. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. This is Paul. Just like what we've been doing, we've been taking the blueprint and we've been laying the foundation for the church according to Scripture. We're trying to do it just like what Scripture says. And Paul says this, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. What kind of work are you doing in this world? What are you pouring into? What are you investing into? What are you giving your life to? Is it going to last on judgment day? Will it withstand the fire? Will it have any value? The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Verse 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. This is what we're fighting for. This is what we're competing for. This is what we're running the race for. There's a reward. God is a rewarder. That's what he does. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. This is where you get into works versus faith. Because some, some of us right now, some of us, we, we've been kind of trained to, to think or believe, like, anything that sounds like works, we, we get really fired up, and, and that's a religious spirit in us. And we're like, no, 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 we, we're, we're not. And I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying we're saved by works, but we are judged by works. There's a difference. You can still make it in. You, you can still get in. But guess what? Everything you built and everything you worked for in this world It's burned up. It doesn't last. Because you invested in the temporary instead of the eternal. That's what we need to get caught up in. Let's not get caught up in the anger of, oh, this sounds like works. No, this isn't about works. This is about obedience to the Father's voice in our life. There's a blessing and a reward for obedience. Some of you, your parents, you know this. When your kids are walking in obedience... When they're listening to your voice, when they're trusting the words you say, what do you do? You, you bless them. You reward them. You honor them. You praise them. But when there's disobedience, when there's issues or there's problems, what happens? Well, there needs to be correction. There needs to be discipline. God is a father and he's a good father. We have to be willing to receive the discipline when it comes and be open to it, to be humble enough to realize, I I need this, I need this correction. But we also can't keep beating ourselves up, saying, oh, this is terrible, this is awful, all, all these things. No, no, no. If you just walk in obedience, what does God do? He rewards you. There's blessings that go along with that. He's a good father. But when the correction and discipline comes, stop fighting against it and get back onto course. Get back into alignment with his word. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Jesus isn't simply going to reward us because we were really busy and active and we did all these things. No, 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 it's for what you built correctly and for what passes the test of time. Even when we were first starting revival, it, there was a lot of this feeling within the church, like we, we gotta do this and we gotta do this, and there, there was lots of ideas, and people were excited, and, and, and they just had all these great ideas, but I'd always tell them, that, that, that sounds awesome. If you wanna lead that, go ahead and lead it. They're like, oh, I, th- I thought you were gonna do it. No, no, no. Like, if you feel like we're supposed to do that as a church, guess what? We need people to do that. But I'm not just going to be busy and active because a bunch of people tell me, we've got to do all these things. No, no, no. I'm doing what he tells me to do, and I'm trying to build what he's telling me to build. Now, all these other things, they can be great. They can be awesome. But let's not just do activity to do activity. Let's build what he tells us to build and build it the right way. And as we build upon the right foundation, everything else is going to fall in line. Everything else is going to follow, and that's what we keep seeing within our church, even our deliverance ministry. As we were first starting to talk about this, we didn't just run into this and say, oh, we got to do this. No, no, no. There was a a small core group of about four of us that prompted, we were all prompted by the Holy Spirit around the same time to start reading about it, looking into it, studying what this was, and going back to the root of what Scripture actually says deliverance is. And God brought us together, and we started having these conversations. And we didn't just run and say, we we just got to do it. We just need this. No, no, no. We went to his word, and we studied it, and we looked at it, and we saw what it said, and we said, okay, we need to build this, but we got to build it the right way. We got to build it his way. And it's one of the most fruitful and most productive ministries within our church. There's people finding freedom week after week through that ministry, Jesus keeps showing up in people's lives and setting people free, setting the captives free. That's what he's doing. But we're not gonna just be busy for busy's sake. We wanna build things that will last. We want people to build their faith, to build their marriage, to build your family, to build the church. We wanna be strong and fortified. That when we come and when we stand at the platform, we haven't just survived, we have thrived. That we'll be builders that receive a reward. That we weren't just saved and barely escaped through a wall of flames. There's crowns mentioned all throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9.25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. First Thessalonians 2:19. "For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? There's a crown of rejoicing? There's an imperishable crown. Is it not even in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? First Peter five, one through4. "The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's a crown for for shepherds, for overseers, for pastors. There's all these different specific crowns listed throughout Scripture. But that one hit me this week. That's the one I'm competing for. There's things listed. There's shepherds and pastors that fall all the time. Because somewhere along the way, they tuck their eyes off the crown they were competing for. I just want to say a prayer. We've got pastors in our church. I want to pray over our pastors in our church. I want to pray. God, we just we thank you for the call of pastoring, of shepherding, of overseeing as elders in our church, as leaders in our church. Father God, I pray that we would be a church that understands the designation and the calling that you've put on our life that we would do it well, that we would do it honestly, that we would do it eagerly. God, that we would keep our eyes set on the crown of glory and not the crowns of this world. God, I pray a blessing over our church as we walk forward into everything you have for us, and that we would keep our eyes set on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 4, eight. finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James James one. So I want to go on a little bit here. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it from those whose fa- from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open, And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If you have any doubt today of whether or not your name is in the book of life, You can sit with this for a moment, but when our worship team comes back up, you're going to have a chance to respond. You're going to have a chance to come up, and and we have ministry teams, prayer teams that are going to be on the right side, the left side. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to make him Lord and Savior so that you know when this day comes where you stand and where your name is written, you can do that today. Do that. Don't wait. Get your name in the book We're adopted in by the blood. We're grafted in to a part of his people. He is worthy. Revelation 19, 6 through 9. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. We're the bride. That's what we're doing. We're making ourselves ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. We're invited to a supper. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you're invited to a supper. You're not invited to an execution. You're not invited to a whipping or a hanging or a beating. No, no, no. Jesus already took that for us on the cross. So now because of that, we're invited in, and we get to go to the supper. We get to go. So when we walk in obedience, when we talk about what it looks like to live a life of obedience, it's not about, oh, I have to do this, I have to earn this. That's religion, right? You got to do all these things, and you got to check all these boxes, and and there's kind of always that fear of punishment, and like, I'm never good enough, I'm never good enough. No, no, no. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. That, that's what the Father sees when you stand there. You're covered. And so now you're invited to the wedding supper. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Once again, all throughout Scripture. Why do we have Scripture? So we won't be ignorant. So if we don't read Scripture, what are we? We're ignorant, right? Let's not be ignorant. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. There's those who are sorrowful when death comes because they have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is a comfort. This isn't a condemnation. There's now no condemnation in Christ. All these words are a comfort for the believer. If you're not a believer, guess what? You are invited in today. The invite is for everyone. If you want to be in Christ, if you want Christ in you, you can have him today. Don't wait. Because now it's a comfort and not a condemnation what we have to look forward to. Worship team, I'll invite you guys up as we get ready to close. James 1. James 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I think most of us, when we hear meekness, maybe it's just me. I hear meekness and I associate it with weakness. I think being meek means that we're weak. That's what I've always thought. Meekness comes from the Greek word prates. It describes a person who knows and likes what he thinks, but has decided to lay aside and deny his own feelings, deny his own thoughts, deny his own opinions, and willfully and deliberately submit to the authority of someone else in order to receive what that person has to say or impart to him. That's a lot different than what I thought meekness was. That's us, right? Like there's so many things that we think, that we know and we like about how we think and how we live life and what we do, what we say, what we think, how we go about every day. And we like it. But this is, this is repentance right here. It's knowing all these things, liking all these things, wanting all these things, but understanding that his things are better, that his thoughts are better than my thoughts, his words are better than my words, his opinions, well, they aren't opinions, they're truth. And we willfully and deliberately submit to the authority of him in order to receive what he has to impart to us. God's word won't take root until we become meek. Until we lay down all of our opinions, all of our preferences, all of our desires, all of our wants, until we lay it down and say, I I want what you want. I want what your word says. I want to live what your word says. That's meekness. That's repentance. Repentance is the changing and transforming of our minds. It's being meek and saying, I'm going to put aside everything that I've ever wanted or desired or thought of or thought I needed, and I'm going to put them aside so I can follow him. That's what it means to make him Lord. We love the part of Savior. Savior's easy. We all want to go to heaven. But if we would choose now to make him Lord, guess what? He's a great rewarder. And there's a reward for walking in obedience to him. And you can be a part. You're invited into the family. You're invited in to build things that last. Not to just make it in barely through the wall of flames. No, you're invited to build something that will last. That's what we're building here. When you're part of building his church, you're building something that's going to last If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. have this verse in there, but I want to go on to it. James 3, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Most of America would say they believe in God. But faith without works is dead. But do you want to know, a oh, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. When we begin to take a step forward to become active in our faith, it strengthens us. It moves us forward. It advances us. It perfects our faith. And the scripture is fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We say this a lot. Choices lead, feelings follow. You might not feel like stepping out in faith this week. You might not feel like doing what the Holy Spirit is prompting you, but we don't let our feelings lead us or guide us. We make a choice to step forward in faith. I guarantee you, Abraham, when God told him to leave the land where he was, And to go to another place? I I bet he didn't feel like doing that. But what did he do? It says he went immediately. He left. That's faith. When God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar, I know for a fact he didn't feel like doing that. But he made a choice to step forward in faith and say, I know who my God is. And he's worth stepping out for. He's worth trusting, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't feel right. We put our feelings to the side to follow his word. We're gonna continue in worship. We're we're gonna have a, a time of ministry. If you would, would you stand up as we get ready to worship? If you know right now, Where you stand with Jesus, if you know, and my name, it's not written in the book of life, but I want my name there. I want to know him. I want to make him Lord and Savior. Come find us on one of these sites. Come find me. Come find one of our ministry team members. You can give your life to Jesus today. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. It's a step of faith. You don't feel like it. You don't feel like moving out of your seat. You don't feel like doing that. But you know, you can feel the prompting from the Holy Spirit within you right now, stirring you up, drawing you towards him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Take that first step to draw near to him.